pass out these guides for tonight. And uh, once again, on the left-hand side is a, is a review or a pop test or however you want to call it of what we covered last week. And on the right-hand side, we'll be going through that material tonight. So, yeah, we can. Where'd Greg go? Okay. <laughs> All right, on the left-hand side is, is where we covered last week. And we talked about the different things last week about how you study and how you go about how you, people prepare for a manuscript presentation, how they prepare for an extensive outline, and gave you some strengths and weaknesses for each of those things. If you were here, you know what we're talking about. If you weren't here, you're going to have a hard time filling that part out. But we'll hold on and we'll fill those out for you in just a moment. And then on the right-hand side, if you have your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and be turning your Bibles to Matthew 22. If you remember a number of weeks ago, I gave to you the assignment of Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22, as being the place where I wanted you to do your own Bible study. Remember, we went through the whole process of asking questions and how you ask questions and where you find the answers to questions and then how you organize thoughts. And what we're going to focus on over the next three gatherings, we have the meeting tonight. Next week we're not meeting because of Vacation Bible School. And then we'll come back for two more meetings in the month of June. And we're going to be focusing on this passage and your work on this passage. And then we'll be off in the month of July and we'll come back and do something new in the month of August. But I want you to be there in uh, Matthew 22. We'll be focusing tonight and we'll be looking at some matters of asking questions and getting you started on getting your Bible study ready. All right, let's look at the left-hand side. Have you all filled that out? Everybody got that filled out? Anybody trying to fill that out? Still working on it? All right. Let's see if you can answer some of these questions. When we talked about those different methods of organization and presenting material, we gave, you, we gave you the manuscript, we gave you extensive outline, and the last one we gave you was extemporaneous presentation. How you, how you approach doing those Bible studies, how you approach delivering that Bible study. And so which of the methods of organizing thoughts and presenting materials is easily transferred to book form? I, made, I remember I made the statement that, that the Baptist preachers don't have a lot of time to write books, so what they do is if they write out manuscripts, uh, that they can transfer that over to book form. So the form where it is easily made into a book form is the manuscript type. All right, so write that in there. It's the manuscript. Look at the second question. Which method of organizing thoughts and presenting materials is easily given to others for reproduction? In other words, out of those three, manuscript, extensive outline, or extemporaneous, which one of those is easy to turn over to somebody and say, you teach my class? Okay, that's right, David. Extensive outline. All right, when you got that extensive outline, take that material, almost anyone can follow that outline. So if you're a Sunday school teacher and you get caught up on a Sunday morning, and you get sick or you can't come, and you need somebody to fill in for you, if you use that extensive outline form, that's really easy to pass over. Say, here, Wesley, I want you to teach my lesson for me. 
And there's that extensive outline. It's a, it's a good way to be able to have somebody to be able to organize their thoughts and help them. Third thing, which method of organizing thoughts and presenting materials is not easily transferable to others for others to use? Which one is that? Out of manuscript, extensive outline, extemporaneous, which one is the most difficult one to transfer over for somebody to use? What's that? Extemporaneous, that's right. The extemporaneous is not is the most difficult time because remember that has key words, key thoughts, key ideas, and then you build upon each of those key thoughts and ideas and you get this whole gathering of material and stuff that you're going to present that you're going to be using in that, but most of that's in your heart, in your mind, and you're going to see how much you need to use as you present those facts to the people. It's not easily transferable at all. Which method requires an amazing ability to memorize? Who can remember that? Of those three, which one requires an amazing ability to memorize? Uh, the outline is there, but even more so, it's, it's which one? No, it's manuscript. All right? It's the manuscript, because remember, they're, they're measuring every word. Every word is very important, and they're going to look, and they're going to memorize word by word, and trying to memorize what's on that page, the position on that page. And so for somebody to be able to memorize word for word, such as being able to memorize a poem or something like that, that's an amazing thing. I, remember I gave you all the illustration of Leonard Ravenhill, that Wesley, whenever they wrote out hymns, we, we like have four stanzas in our hymn book, but Wesley in his hymn might have a hundred stanzas. And Leonard Ravenhill, when he was preaching, and 72 years old at that when he was preaching, he could, he could quote from memory 15 of the stanzas of a Wesleyan hymn that we never heard of, or you, we've never heard of before. That's a tremendous memory to be able to do that because every word is precise. Every word is important. All right. Now, which method can allow for soapbox points of interest? Remember we said, be careful that we not get on our soapbox which one of those, the manuscript, the extensive outline, or the extemporaneous, can be a trap that we can open up for the soapbox? Okay, extemporaneous is going to be the easiest place for us to get on a soapbox. And what I mean by soapbox is something we like to talk about. Something we enjoy talking about, something that's really a conviction of our heart. And when we get over there, we can spend 45 minutes on that part. And uh-oh, only got five minutes left for the rest of the lesson. And that's, that can happen more in extemporaneous than any, any place else. Okay? Very good. Now, I want you to turn to that passage in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Have any of you worked on this? We, we gave that assignment to you a number of weeks ago, for those of you who are here. And, and remember, we went through the, the Peter passage, went through that Peter passage to, to, to talk about how we do... Uh, Bible study, and we went through and we asked questions. You remember that? The way that you study the Bible and the way that you organize your thoughts and the way that you put all of your information together and the way you evaluate that passage is by asking questions of that particular verse or verses that you're using. And so we went through First Peter and, and went through that process of, of talking about how many questions we could ask and ask you to do that. Then I gave you the assignment in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22, and ask you to go about 
asking those questions. Have any of you got any of that done? Did any of you write? Okay, there's some. There's some that's got questions. We want to go through that together. It's, it's only about seven verses or eight verses there that we're going to go through. So it's not many. Who can remember, if you're looking at that passage right now, what does this passage deal with? Who's it, who's it dealing with primarily? Who's the focal person? person? Well, okay, all right. Let's, let's just say it without even reading it. The Pharisees are trying to entrap Jesus, all right? They're trying to entrap Jesus. And, and they come into uh, cooperation with a group called the Herodians. You remember that? And so these two groups together, they're going to go and they're going to try to find some way to entrap Jesus. And, and what they're trying to do is to find him and to cause him to stumble in something that he says. So they ask him a question. Who remembers what the question they asked him was? All right, exactly. It says, is it lawful for us to pay poll tax? Is it lawful for us to pay the poll tax? Now, before they, if you look at, look at that passage right there where you are in, in Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22, before they ever ask him the question, though, what, what, do, they do, what do they do to Jesus? What do, what do they say to Jesus? What are some? Oh, yes, man, they're just praising him all over. You know, teacher. We know that you. We know that you defer to no one, and we know you're not partial to anybody. And we're here, and we need for you to help us because we're we're in a dilemma. We don't know what we ought to do, whether or not we ought to pay a poll tax. All right. Now, were were they really were they really interested in? Did they really think Jesus was this great person and great leader? No, as has already been said, they're trying to entrap him trying to get him to say something that they can carry to the Roman authorities or to the Jewish people, one or the other, and say, this is what he said. And this is, this is what he believes. In other words, how is that going to be a trap? How would that be a trap for Jesus if he asked about the poll tax? Whether it's lawful or not to pay the poll tax, how is the trap set on either side? You ever been in a dilemma where you know anything I say is going to get me in trouble? <laughs> you know anything I say is going to get me in trouble. You ever been there? <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful about those things, don't you? And that's exactly where they tried to, exactly where they tried to get Jesus, exactly where they wanted to put him. Now, how would that be an entrapment? What if he says, "Yes, pay the poll tax." Then, then what, what, would the, what would those people trying to trap him, how's that going to entrap him? Oh, yeah, then they're going to run over here to the Jewish people, and they're going to tell the Jewish people, he said that we need to be in servitude to Rome. He said we do that, and we only worship God and not Rome. And if we go and do that, he, he's not really, he, he's more of a Roman than he is a Jew. All right? but, but then if he said, okay, you shouldn't pay the poll tax. Then who's he going to be in trouble with? He's going to be in trouble with the Romans because then these people are going to go to the Romans and say, there's a man over there who's teaching that, they shouldn't, that, that the people shouldn't pay the poll tax. In other words, he's, he's going against the Roman government. And, and therefore, he's in opposition to what you, re, you require. You all need to do something about him. 
You see what the, you see how the trap has been laid? No. Whenever they ask the question, before they ask the question, look in your Bibles, before they ask the question, what is it that, that Jesus says to them? Well, what does Jesus say before he ever, ever answers the, the question for them? What, what does he say to them? Oh, yeah, listen to that. Why are you testing me? All right, why are you testing me? And, and he says, uh, you what? Hypocrites. You hypocrites. That, that's pretty bold preaching, isn't it? That's a pretty bold statement that Jesus made. So, so when he says that, what, what does he mean by that? We'll talk about that in a minute. What does he mean when he says that? And Why does Jesus say that to them? Ah, exactly right. Yeah. That's right. A hypocrite was an actor. They were an actor, and they, as you said, they put masks over it that would play that part. That's not really who they are, but that's the part they would play. And then that's what a, a hypocrite is. I mean, all of us have heard in our day, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. <laughs> I don't go to that church because they're full of hypocrites. You know. Well, that's just somebody who at times is playing a part or doing something when they're not really that part. Well, hold on a second. Have you ever been a hypocrite? Oh, have we ever? Yeah, I'm sorry to tell you, we all have. You know, we all have. Have you, uh, do you always tell everybody what's on your heart? <laughs> I mean, have you ever had your heart not real good and somebody come up and say, well, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. You're fine? No, you're not always fine, are you? Whenever you would say you're something that you're not, then that's being like a hypocrite, all right? And so he says that to them. Jesus is pretty bold about that. But he goes on after he says that, and he does answer the question. But how, how does he answer the question? Did he say yes or no? Did he just say yes, do it, or no, do it? Look in your, look in your scripture. What, what, what did he say? Uh, he says, uh, where is the coin that you pay the poll tax with? Where is the coin? All right? And so when he says to where's the coin, they give him a coin. What, what was the name of that coin? It was a denarius, all right? And, and another question we might ask, and you, you might want to write down that you'd ask is, well, what is a denarius? How, how much was a denarius? How, how much was it? Anybody know? Uh, it, it was a day's wages in, in coin value. It was about 18 cents in that time. About 18 cents or about... A day's wages. So if you made better than 18 cents at work today, you're doing pretty good. Amen? You're doing better than in that day. All right? But, but that was an, that's what they paid the poll tax with. Now, now, he didn't answer yes or no, but he just said, where's the coin that you pay the poll tax with? And, and then they give him the denarius. What happens next? What happens next? Yeah, Jesus takes the coin and he says... Whose likeness or whose inscription or whose image is on this coin? Now, the Romans were just like the people of the United States. Every one of our coins, and William's a collector of coins, so he ought to know all these answers, but every coin that we have has got somebody's picture on it, doesn't it? It has a picture on it. Somebody's inscription, somebody's image, a president or a famous person, someone, it's got the picture. 
Well, the Romans did exactly the same thing. If you get a Roman coin today, it's going to have the emblem or the bust of whoever that Caesar was in that particular time. When a new Caesar came around, it would be a new coin that would be made. So the inscription or the image or the likeness was Caesar's likeness. So Jesus said, whose image or inscription is on this coin? And they said what? Caesar's. So then what did Jesus say? He says, then render, render or give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Now, now he just answered the question without answering the question, did he? Oh, yeah, he always gave you more than what you asked for. So what was he saying to them? Pay the poll tax. If, if that coin is in the image of Caesar and, and that coin's made in his image, it must be Caesar's coin. It must be, just give, give that coin to, to Caesar. Pay the poll tax. Go do that. He, he answered it without, without saying yes or no. But wait a minute. Don't, don't forget to keep looking because what does he say next? Look, look what he says. Give or render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but give unto God what is God's. Wait a minute now. You've got to go back and look at the whole of that sentence. He said, render to Caesar that which is made in the image, likeness, or inscription of Caesar. Therefore, you should then turn and render or give everything that is in the likeness of God are in the image of God, you should give that to God. Right? If you you can give everything that's made in the image of Caesar to Caesar, then then make sure you give everything that's made in the image of God to God. Now, think about that. That that carries us back to, all, all the way back to where? Where's it carry us back to? A Ten Commandments, it carries us back further than that. It carries us back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. It says, whenever man was created, God said, let us create man in what? In our own image. In our own image. Do you think Jesus was overly concerned about the poll tax? No. But do you know what he was very much concerned about? About every person's life. And what are you going to do with your life? And and who should you give your life to? Who should you give your life to? Who should your life be dedicated to? Yeah. Based on what Jesus said, your life, if you are made in the image of God, which we believe we are, your life should be given to God. Your, your life should be dedicated to God because you're made in that image. Yeah. Right, right. It's talking about the worship of God, not making idols in, in the form of God, to be a form of God. 
Uh huh. Yeah. So that was my question. Was okay. That's what a good question. Of, what kind of what did the temple money look like? But see, you took it a whole different. Yeah. You know. Way yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a good question. Let, let me finish this part, and we're going to go back on those questions because that's a good question. Well, what did he? What did he? Uh, how, how how does the text end? How does the last verse verse of that say? Okay, they were utterly amazed at what Jesus said, and they departed from him. In other words, it was impossible. Every time anybody tried to entrap Jesus, to get Jesus to say something or to get him in a place where he couldn't get out, he always had an answer that amazed them. And they went away, most of the time, never asking a question again in regard to that. Okay, now... I simply went through there, we just went through that passage right then, and we talked about different things about it, but what you have to do is, is to ask those questions. So what I gave you here in the, on this side is, I just gave you some questions basically to ask about that particular passage. All right? Look what it says. When it says that the Pharisees, one of the first things we said is, who, who was it that asked these questions? We said it was the Pharisees. So here's the question. Who were the Pharisees? Who were the Pharisees? Who were these people? That's a question to ask. You know who the Pharisees were? They were religious leaders. They were religious Jewish leaders. Now, how, how do you find out? Remember we looked at where you find out the source of the answer? Where, where would you find out where the Pharisee, who the Pharisees are? What, what, what source would you look for? If you wanted to find out... Who were the Pharisees in the Bible? Where would you look? In, in Bible dictionary. Okay, very good. Uh, very good. Study Bible. But Bible dictionary. You look under Pharisees, it's going to tell you who they are and who this sect of believers are. Now, one thing about the Pharisees that we found out about them is that they were opposed to Jesus. They, they, just, they were enemies of Jesus because they were Jews and they, they felt like that Jesus wasn't a true Jew and they were the religious leaders, and they felt like people were turning to Jesus, and they were jealous of Jesus. And therefore, they set out to try to entrap him. That's why it says, what does it mean that they counsel together? What does it mean that somebody counsels together? What did, what did they do? They had a huddle. Not a holy huddle, but just a huddle. And what did they do in that huddle? They're coming up with a plan. Who's got the plan? What can we do? And some smarty comes up and says, we need to ask him about the poll tax. That'll entrap him, right? So that's another question. Asked. What does it mean to counsel together? Why, why try to trap Jesus in what he said? Why are they trying to trap Jesus? Okay, they wanted to lose, for him to lose his credibility. Want him to get himself at odds either with Rome or, or the Jews. So that's, that's the answer to that question. But here's, here's, another, here's another question about that. that asks, why do they ask Jesus, or why, why do they say uh, in what he says? Why trap, try to trap Jesus in what he said? What, what he said. You remember what James said about, about our tongues? Well, it's a raging fire, but what he said... If a man can keep from sinning with his tongue, that man would be perfect. The, most, the easiest place for us 
to reveal our sin and the wickedness of our heart is with our mouth. Isn't that the truth? Don't everybody look down at the same time. Isn't that, isn't that a place where we can just reveal and make a mistake? And Have you ever said something you wish you hadn't have said? You responded a certain way you wish you hadn't... And, and you wish, man, I'd like to grab that and throw that back in my throat. <laughs> I wish that... The easiest place for us to sin is with our tongue. So what was the place they were trying to get Jesus to sin? With his tongue, with what he said. Catch him off guard. All right. Well, here's another question. Who were the Herodians? Who were the Herodians? Yeah, they were Hellenistic Jews, but more importantly, they were in, they, who, was, who would be considered their leader? Or who, who was the one that they would, they would try to promote? King Herod, yeah. They were, they were followers of King Herod who, was a, who was, claimed himself as king of the Jews. He didn't have the rightful place, but they were followers of Herod. Now, Whenever it comes to the relationship between the Pharisees and the Herodians, what would be, what do you think? You think they'd be bosom buddies? They were not bosom buddies. They weren't bosom buddies. Matter of fact, they didn't even like each other. But isn't it interesting, what? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Oh, good, good. All right, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Good statement, okay? Now, hold on a second. What is it? Why are these two people, why are these two groups together? Because they're trying to work together to try to entrap Jesus. And, and who's ultimately behind all of what they're doing and what the Pharisees are doing too? Oh, Satan is trying to do it. He, Satan wants to make Jesus get stumped himself or get entrapped or say something wrong. So he's trying to do it. And, and isn't it strange that here are two groups that don't like each other, but all of a sudden they like each other when they're enemies of Jesus. And that, that happened somewhere else. You remember a place where two people who didn't really like each other became good friends in trying to crucify Jesus? Who were those two people? Pontius Pilate and King Herod. Isn't that appropriate? They didn't like each other, but they came together and both of them tried Jesus in order to crucify Him. Isn't that interesting? All right, here's another one. Verse 6. Is it significant that they call Jesus teacher? And beyond that, do they really believe that Jesus teaches the truth of God? You think they really believe that? Well, of course not. If they believe that He taught the truth of God, what should they do? They should follow Him, right? They, they should be following Him and, and following what He says. What does it mean to defer to no one? They said, you defer to no one. What, what, what does it mean to defer to no one? Or, or the same thing, what does it mean that you are not partial to anyone? He's a just judge. He's going to tell them truth. Not, not because he likes somebody more than somebody else. or he, He's going to show partiality because he's kin to somebody over here. He's going to speak the real truth. This is where they were complimenting Jesus. You remember that? Then they said, is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar? That was the real question. Here's the question. What is a poll tax? Y'all remember what a poll tax is? You know, you, what, what was poll tax? Huh? That's right, okay? Okay. Yeah, they used to have poll tax. Really? I'm not from Alabama, so I didn't know that. Uh-huh. 
<laughs> but they did. A poll tax was money that you paid to have the right to vote. Okay? And it really is a taxation. It was the way the Romans got, got money for their government. Because it was kind of, their elections were about like uh, elections in the Soviet Union. There was an election held in that democracy, but there's only one candidate. So you could have the right to vote, but you could only vote for one candidate. Because Caesar was in charge, right? But that was the poll tax. Okay, go on here. What is a, why was this important to, to those who are asking? What, what, was it, what was important about that? Did they really care about the poll tax? No. They cared about it as being a way to trap Jesus. What does it tell us about Jesus when it says Jesus perceived their malice? That's an interesting question. What does it tell you about Jesus? When he perceived their malice, what? He knows everything. He what? Okay, he knows their thoughts and intents. It, knows, it tells you something about Jesus. Jesus knows your heart. He didn't just know their heart. He knows our hearts. Okay, so, so that's something special. If Jesus knows our heart, what does that say about Jesus compared to us? Who, what quality does Jesus have that we don't have? What characteristic does Jesus have? He's God, for one thing. Okay, so he's God. I mean, God knows the thoughts and intents of a person's heart, so it tells us something about who Jesus is right there. What, what it says, what is malice? What is malice? Go, go on. Huh? Okay, having a wrong spirit, wrong attitude, wrong intent. Huh? Wickedness. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good translation. No problem with that. What question did Jesus ask the group? Ask him about who has a coin? Who has the coin? It goes on. What did he call the members of the group? What did he call them? He called them hypocrites. And what is a hypocrite? Where do you find the definition of that? Well, David's already given us the definition, but you find that in the Bible dictionary. It'll tell you about who a hypocrite is or what it is. What did Jesus ask them to give him? The coin. He gave a, they gave him a denarius. How much is a denarius? How do you find that out? Uh, Bible dictionary, Bible commentary, that's right. What did coins usually have inscribed on them? We talked about that. What? All right, the, the image of our bust of Caesar. What was the question Jesus asked about the coin? Whose likeness is that? Here's the other question. What do likeness and inscription mean? What do those mean? And whose image was on the coin? Well, basically it was Caesar's, and if it was a Roman coin. And here's another question. That was what David was asking about a minute a while ago, about could it have been a, a temple coin? What inscription would have been on that? What instruction did Jesus give to them about the coin? What did he say? Render to Caesar. What is Caesar's? But what does the word render mean? You know what word to give? It means to literally deposit, to deposit to the account of. What additional word did Jesus give to the group about rendering to God? What did he say? Render to Caesar. What is Caesar's? Render to God. What is God? What's made in the image of God? What passage in the Bible speaks about the image of God? We talked about that. Genesis 1 is going to talk about that. And what was the response of the group to Jesus' answer? When Jesus gave an answer, they went away. 
They were amazed, marveled, they went away. Okay, those are just questions I give you. You may have other questions that you have, all right? Now, this is what I want you to do beyond the question. Any question that you have there or that you might find in that passage, between now and next week, I want you to answer those questions, okay? I want you to answer the questions, and then, and then the things that you've written down, things that we talked about tonight, I want you to prepare a Bible study. I don't mean, I don't mean for you to have to go to I want you to prepare the Bible study. And, and what I want you to do is I want you to do an outline, an extensive outline of that, of that Bible study, okay? Instead of us doing extemporaneous, instead of us doing a manuscript right now, I want you to do an outline. And in that, in that outline, just kind of take all those thoughts about how did this begin? How did that happen? What was their attitude? And, and what did Jesus say? And what was the answer that Jesus gave? I just want you to put all those thoughts together. And then when we come together, I want you, this will be two weeks. You've got two weeks to do that, all right? We come together, I'm just going to ask you, to those of you who would, who would share with me some of your outline, some of what you'd say, how you organize it. And, and don't, don't be shy or bashful about that. Because however you outline it doesn't mean I would outline it that way. Doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean one's right and one's wrong. It means it's just a different approach. One of the funniest things I think anybody could ever do is to have a Bible conference and have about six preachers and give them all the same verses. You give them all the same, they have to all preach for the same verse. Because what would happen is you'd have six different views, six different outlines, six different approaches to that same scripture. And one of them is not right and five of them wrong. They're all right. It's just they see it from a different perspective. And that's the neat thing about the, the Word of God, the living Word of God, is it can, it can speak to so many different things in the hearts of different times, different people, in different ways. It's a living Word of God. And that's why you can study it one time and see what it says, and then you can come back and study it again. You say, wow, I've never seen that before. You might have read it a hundred times, but I've never seen that before. Why? Because at that particular time, it meant something different for you. At that particular time, it meant something God wanted you to learn at that time that maybe you weren't ready to learn at another time. So I want you to just take that, have fun with it, write out an outline. We're not going to make you get up and read it in class, but I would like for you to share it. For those of you who would be able to share, this is how I outlined it. This is what I thought it said and the best way to present it. Okay? Think you can do that? This means yes. Now, now in two weeks, do not let me come here by myself. I know what you I ain't coming tonight, man. He made that. I'm not going to ask you. I promise you, I'm not going to ask you. You're just going to get the volunteer, all right? You're going to get the volunteer. We don't show up, are we hypocrites? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what Jesus, I think that's what Jesus would say. <laughs> I do want you to come and share. It'd be a fun time because the last two sessions we get together, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what God tells you about that. And we'll talk about it. Have fun with it, all right? God bless you. Have a good rest of the, rest of the time. What? Oh, did it come on?